Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As we say in the church, we welcome you once, we welcome you twice, we welcome you with the love of the Lord, or however it goes. But anyway, welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness by sharing the stories of those thriving with a mental illness within communities of color. And y'all know we want to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies. So thank you again for joining me on a new episode. I truly appreciate y'all tuning in week after week. The audience is growing. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting. And just know I really appreciate it. Um, If we have any new people listening to the podcast, thank you so much for joining. Um, It is truly an honor just to have you a part of the community. And feel free to join our private Facebook group, which is Fireflies Unite, semicolon, healthy minds. So I'll be sure to leave that in the show notes. So if you want to join, you can feel free to do that. Um, I'm doing my best to keep up with current events and pop culture as it pertains to mental health, because y'all are the best. Like Team Kia, Team Fireflies goes hard for me. Let me tell y'all, because when something pops off, like a story breaks, y'all are saturating my DMs, like sending me stuff. And then y'all texting my phone, like, did you see this? Did you see this? So basically, let me get to it. So thank y'all for keeping me in the know. Um, like I said, I have Google alerts um, set. So anytime something happens, um, it pops up. And so that's how I'm able to stay abreast. But You know, I'm human and sometimes I may miss things. And this happened to be one of the times where I missed it. Um, And so, yes, y'all told me, um, sent me screenshots of the cover of People Magazine. And did anyone see the cover? Uh, A lot of y'all did, of course, because y'all showed me. But for the people who didn't, Mariah Carey is on the cover of People Magazine. And she opens up about bipolar disorder. I was so happy to see that. I really was. Thank y'all for sharing that with me. So for anyone who may be new listening to the podcast, bipolar disorder is a mood disorder where a person experiences extreme highs and lows. The highs are called mania and the lows are called depression. And a lot of times people who battle with bipolar disorder you know, they're called crazy and I want us to stop doing that, you know, or using bipolar disorder as an adjective, like the weather is bipolar or a situation is bipolar. I really need us to stop doing that because it perpetuates the stigma and, you know, it prevents people from seeking treatment. And in fact, there are 3 million cases per year, according to Mayo Clinic. So Mariah Carey was very fearful that her mental illness within her career she had moments of being high functioning just like many people with the mental illness they can be high functioning and then there were other times where she was behaving irrationally and so according to people she was diagnosed in 2001 uh, where she was hospitalized for a mental breakdown and she told them that that she didn't want to believe it like many of us were in denial I know that I was definitely in denial And she said that until recently, I lived in denial and isolation and in constant fear someone would expose me. It was too heavy a burden to carry and I simply couldn't do it anymore. I sought and received treatment. I put positive people around me and I got back to what I love doing, writing songs and making music. And I love that because by Mariah Carey opening up, it educates people on what bipolar disorder is it'll encourage those to seek treatment and it also humanizes her as a celebrity a lot of times we think celebrities are superhuman they have all this money in the world so how could they have all these problems or 
whatever the things that we we tell ourselves but with her success she's is Mariah Carey is an icon and you know it shows that someone can have a mental illness and still thrive so shout out to Mariah Carey thank you for opening up and sharing your story and living in your truth and I'm glad that she took the time to do that because sometimes people think that you know when we go through something we want to hurry up and like try to go through the process and then before you know we want to start uh talking about our story and sharing it and trying to help other people when we haven't even fully healed from the trauma that we've experienced and so that's why I always encourage people to take the time and trust the process I was not out here talking on anybody's podcast two years ago like it literally took time like it took it really did um and so be be patient with yourself and truly work on your healing before you get to a point of advocating for anyone else that would be my um encouragement um and words of wisdom to someone listening so yeah again thank you guys so much for keeping me in the loop as it pertains to pop culture and I again you know I, I commend Mariah Carey for being courageous and just sharing her story um so for today we are going to talk about a mental illness that we have not talked about on the podcast and that's cyclothymia which is a rare mood disorder and it has similar characteristics of those experiencing bipolar disorder it's just in a, a milder and a more chronic form. So if you're suffering from cyclothymia, you experience highs and lows that are persistent for at least two years or more. Um, with cyclothymia, with cyclothymia, your lows are mild uh, depression, um, but it's not like full-blown uh, characteristics of a full depression. Um, and so, of course, everyone has ups and downs. We know it, that's a part of life. But what distinguishes uh, cyclothymia from regular mood swings, cyclothymia can increase your chances of developing bipolar disorder. Um, and it estimates that, uh, what I would say, it says about 15% to 50% increased risk of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder if suffering from cyclothymia. Um, and so that's something, honestly, as I've been learning about mental illness, this is a new, um, something new that I was not aware of, uh, wasn't aware about cyclothymia. And so I'm always doing my best to bring content and share stories of people who have a variety of type of mental illnesses and that's what makes this podcast so unique because it gives people the platform to share their story to live in their truth and like y'all know there are so many amazing podcasts that talk about mental health um, but they aren't from the perspective of someone dealing with the mental illness and so I that's essentially why I started this podcast because shout out to therapy for black girls if y'all don't know what that podcast is y'all need to go check it out because Dr. Joy is just she's killing the game right now with her podcast just uh celebrated their one year anniversary and she has her directory um where you can look for a therapist in your area uh therapy for black girls and all the women in her directory are women of color so yeah she's doing amazing things um i got off a bit on a tangent but yeah and so cyclothymia was something that i learned about when this wonderful guest reached out to me and so i had to get her on the podcast and share um and so before i introduce her we are also going to talk about postpartum psychosis so postpartum psychosis is a rare illness and compared to rates of postpartum depression or anxiety and it occurs in approximately one to two out of every a thousand deliveries so this is usually sudden and it uh, most often within two weeks of postpartum so the symptoms of postpartum psychosis can include an array of things one being delusions and strange beliefs or hallucinations seeing or hearing things that aren't really there feeling very irritated 
um, decreased need or an inability to sleep, paranoia, being really suspicious, rapid mood swings, and different, uh, difficulty communicating at times. And of the women who actually develop part, postpartum psychosis, research has suggested that there is approximately about 5% rate, uh, 5% suicide rate, and a 4% uh, infant side rate um, associated with this illness and this is because women um, who experience psychosis um, they're um, they're not really um, they have a hard time differentiating uh, what's reality and what um, isn't and so in a psychotic state the delusions and beliefs it makes sense to the mom it makes sense to her um, because that's what her mind is telling, you know, what it's telling her. That's what she's experienced. And it's very real to her. So um, immediate treatment for women going through psychosis is extremely imperative. So it's also important to know that many survivors of postpartum psychosis never had delusions um, uh, containing violent uh, command. So delusions can take uh, many forms and not all of them are destruct, uh, destructive. So don't think that just because a mom is going through um, postpartum psychosis that she's violent because that's not always the case. Uh, but most women who experience postpartum psychosis do not harm themselves or anyone else. However, there's always the risk of danger because Again, psychosis includes delusional thinking and irrational judgment, and this is why they have to be treated immediately if they are experiencing this. And so our special guest, Maisha T, um, battles with cyclothymia, anxiety, and experienced postpartum psychosis, but she is now thriving in uh, despite these challenges, and I had to bring Maisha T on the podcast. I was so grateful when she reached out to me because um, it's always good to get not just a woman of color, but a mom on here to to share her story. You know, because I have moms who listen to the podcast, and um, I want to make sure that you moms out there are being encouraged and that you are taking control of your mental health. So Maisha T, she's a mental health advocate, speaker, and author, and she's a thriving mompreneur to uh, three children, Um, and she is also the founder of Brown Sisters Speak, and it's an amazing uh, nonprofit supporting the mental health and wellness of women of color, and she's also the owner of Maisha T and company and it's a small business boutique branding branding and creative marketing uh, and management agency so fireflies let's welcome Maisha T welcome Maisha T and thank you for taking time out of your day to join me on the podcast how are you today I'm good thank you thank you so much for having me of course so we're gonna jump straight into it so was mental health something that was discussed amongst your family while you were growing up? No, I, no, we didn't discuss anything. There was a lot of, um, someone is not feeling well, someone is sick, let's go pray for somebody. There was a lot of, let's go pray. We got to pray for such and such, they're going through something. We got to pray for someone else. There, there was a lot of prayer, but not a lot of talk about mental illness or mental health. Yeah, that's a common theme that I hear about it. I hear all the time, people saying, let's pray, let's pray. And I say all the time that, prayer works. I have witnessed and I Mm -hmm. am a miracle myself. And that's not to say that prayer doesn't work, but I always say, you know, God can be telling us faith without works is dead. We hear that scripture all the time. So if faith without works is dead, you have the faith that God can heal you or that God will help you manage this mental illness or thrive with this mental illness. But the work part is the doing part. The doing is going to therapy. The doing is taking your medication. Um, and sometimes we, we miss that. We we think that we're, we say it as like sometimes like a very passive things uh, or we like use it as a crutch, if that makes sense. So we'll say things like, you know, God's go, going to work it out. But at the same time, 
being still doesn't always require, it's not just sitting there and waiting for something to fall out the sky. Being still is actually doing the work. Um, and that's what I really hope to dismantle when it comes to the Christian community and mental health. And I remember you, um, you shared that two weeks after your daughter was born, you were hospitalized for suicide ideation and postpartum psychosis. So can you talk about what that experience was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No problem. Um, yeah, so my daughter, was she was two weeks. Um, I literally felt like I was in a tunnel. This is how I describe it. I was in a tunnel with no way out. It was black. And I'm going back and forth just back and forth with thoughts, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. I don't want to be alive. This is how I'm going to do it. It was just running in a tunnel. And somehow something said, call your friend Jeanette. I called Jeanette. Um, Jeanette is, like, talking to me and praying for me and calling my mom on another phone to come and get me. And she's just trying to get me out this tunnel, right? Somewhere my mom shows up. We go to the hospital. Um, I'm admitted in the hospital. Um, they're asking me what's happening, what, what, why I want to die, you know, just all the questions they ask. I don't know if you've had this experience when you go to the emergency room. And the social mm -hmm. worker came in and saw me, and she was like, you know, I, I think you need some time away from your family. I think you need to go away for a while. We're seeing signs of psychosis and, and suicidal ideation with a plan, so I, it's best for you to go away for a while. And I agreed. So when I got to the hospital, um, they transported me, actually, 45 minutes away from my children. Um, and when I got there, you know, it, it was really like this uh, movie Girl Interrupted, right? You go through this long white hallway with security guards, and they open the door and take you in the elevator to this lockdown unit. And I, at that moment, I don't know, for some reason, I felt like I was snapping out of whatever had me held down. And I was like, why am I here? Where are my kids? It was almost like anxiety set in. And I just remember the nurse saying, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Here's some medication. Um, let's get you some medication for anxiety so you can calm down. And then at that point, I was just kind of like, why am I taking medicine, right? Because you don't, I can just pray and be okay. And they gave me the medication and I actually had to sign myself in, which was also a shock because they told me they were going to take me there. So I didn't realize I had to give extra permission to stay. Um, and then I was admitted to the psych ward for seven days. It was an interesting experience now that I think about it because each day wasn't the same. And the older woman who happened to be my roommate constantly reminded me, if you want to go home, take the medication and participate in all the programs. During that time also, I was still involved with my um, child's father. And so I remember being in the hospital and calling him and calling my mom and calling my friends like, I'm not crazy. Why am I here? Why am I here? I'm not crazy. And they're affirming like, you're not crazy. You just need a break. It was just such an interesting experience when I think back. Gosh. And having to participate in the groups. And it was in the group, one of the first CBT groups, actually, that I participated in when I learned that depression was merely pressing in. It's really just pressing in the emotions. And it clicked for me. And I'm like, yeah, my whole life I've been pressing in emotions. I have been taught to pray for everything and that God is going to take care of me. But I literally have never given voice to how I'm feeling or gave him voice to reason. So maybe I shouldn't be here. And within a couple of days after like that experience in therapy, my uh, pastors came to visit me. And I remember saying to them, you know, if I would have had someone to talk to about my mental health or my mental illness, I don't think I would be here today. And they were like, yeah, we, we, we see the relationship between mental illness and spirituality. And I said, you know, when I leave here, I'm going to start something that's going to empower people of color to talk about their mental health because this is not okay. And all I kept saying to them was like, this is not okay. Will you all support me in this? Because I don't think this should happen to anybody else. And it's really interesting because I was highly sedated and I remember this conversation and they even to this day remember the conversation. And so each day after they left, it was just another group. And I spent more time on the phone with peers and loved ones and you know, I saw a Bible in there. So then when I saw the Bible, I said, okay, I'm here for a reason. I knew I was there for a reason. I knew it wasn't just about I had a mental health breakdown. It, the, the psych war for me was almost like a very spiritual experience when I'm speaking about it now. It was like me learning that pressing in emotions causes these depressive symptoms. Me also learning that I have bipolar disorder. Um, me also learning that I'm also anxious. 
and just not even being able to know that my whole life was hard and it was a lot to take in. And I remember the first time they told me, I think it was about day five that I had this bipolar disorder. I'm like, I am not crazy. That's the first thing I said, which is actually kind of like what a lot of us who, who are people of color may say is like, Oh no, don't give me that label. I'm not crazy. Like I, I'm not down with that. I don't want to be crazy. And like, I had my mom like print all these articles out and bring them to me. Um, so I can read about bipolar and what it was. And guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to pray the bipolar away because I wanted God to heal me real fast because there was nothing wrong with me. So even in the psych ward, while being treated and having like access to resources, I still was in denial. Like this bipolar thing isn't real. I still hadn't accepted it. I still wanted to pray it away, even though I knew praying it away caused me more pain. So yeah, by day six, they came to me with the wellness recovery action plan, which was like a faded black and white piece of paper where I would write out action steps that would prevent me from trying to commit myself, commit suicide again. Um, and then after that, they let me go home the next day. Wow. As I was listening to you speak, like I was holding back tears just because I remember what that experience like for me, like being in the psychiatric unit. And I remember calling a relative and I said, this is what happened and this is where I am. But they were in New Jersey. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. now, but my family is in New Jersey because that's where I'm from. And so I remember, you know, the person on the phone saying, like, you do not belong there. You're not like those crazy people. And I internalized it as either I'm not crazy or and like something is a mistake. I'm here by mistake or either I am crazy because I'm in here with all of these crazy people. And it was a very, like, just thinking back on it and that time and what it was like, like, the first two days, like, I spent, like, the, I think I was in there three days, and mm -hmm. I spent, like, the first two days, I did not eat at all, and, and I was hungry. My stomach was growling, but I did not eat because I was afraid to go into the common area where, like, everyone was, uh, was like, hanging out because I was only I only had the experience or I only knew of what I saw in the movies. So I was terrified and I was crying and crying and crying because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't belong here. Like I am highly educated. I have two degrees from two of two of the most prestigious prestigious schools in the country. Why am I here? What is wrong with me? Like so you go through that um that phase of being in denial about what it is. And so as I was listening to you, just being able to identify with another woman of color who was also in the psychiatric unit and talking about your experience and what that time was like for you. Because when you're in that place, you're also, it's so many emotions that are going mm -hmm. through you. You're confused. You may be in denial. Yep. You may be upset. It's mm -hmm. like, that experience is just like something that I can't, You, it's hard to explain into words. Only yeah. person who can actually understand is, is if you've been there and just hearing you share your story, it just brought me back to that place. And I was like trying not to cry, but I was glad to hear that your pastor actually say, yes, we need to talk about this because yep. there is a connection between mental health and spirituality. And- a lot of times we think that just because we're believers in Christ that we call a mental illness, whether it's depression or bipolar disorder, no matter what it is, we call, oh, that's that's the devil. Um, you know, and it's like, uh -huh. yeah. but, is, but is, is cancer the devil? Is diabetes the devil? Like, it's like all these things. And, and it's it's hard to explain in the sense that like, we'll say things sometimes that are very contradicting in the church. So for instance, we'll say things like, you know, praying God for our health, uh, praying God, we want God to take, let's say for instance, it's not a mental illness, it's diabetes. We want God to heal us from diabetes, but we do and we pray because we want him to heal us from diabetes, but yet we eat all the things that we're not supposed to eat. That Yet you're still expecting God to do his part. Like how, how does that, how does that work? So when you think about it with mental illness, 
So you have someone has schizophrenia or their or or bipolar dealing with bipolar disorder or an anxiety disorder, any type of mental illness, but we don't, but we say no, we can't take that medicine because you know God is gonna heal us. Right. But it's the medicine that's going to help us. Um now the medicine doesn't necessarily make it go away, but it does help you stay balanced and in a very neutral zone. Now, by going to therapy, therapy works out those underlying issues that you suppress because the medicine right. itself is not, the medicine can't work out the issues. It's just working out the chemical and balance in your brain and the right. neurological damage. That That's what the medicine is doing. And so I was really, really glad to hear that your pastor supported you around that and just really wants you to talk more about um how they supported you when you um said this is my story and this is what I want to do to help other women um well it, it, it's interesting because like post-hospitalization to be real with you I did try to commit suicide two more times right um so what I did one way they helped me stay committed to staying well is I'm a licensed Zumba instructor and I said okay so Here's my plan. I came out and I met with the pastor and said, here's my plan. I said, number one, I want to teach Zumba here because if I can move my body and teach Zumba, I know that movement keeps me well. And I want to do it in the church. And they said, okay, you can do that. And I said, step two, like I went to them with a plan. Um, I think we need to have a event for Mental Health Awareness Month where we have community organizations come and display in the church and we can talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. And I said for number three, it's African American um, Wellness Month, Mental Health Awareness Month in July. So we could have like a mini conference where the pastors really frame the conversation of the month around spirituality and mental health. So I gave them all these, these resources, but they gave me baby steps to follow. They said, okay, let's start with Zumba. So what happened was I actually started teaching Zumba um, I wrote myself a little press release. I sent it to the local newspaper, and the newspaper came and covered me teaching Zumba at the church um, and my reason behind it, which was really empowering to say, to see that, wow, this woman had this experience and is teaching Zumba to the community. Um, and that was one way that they supported me in making sure I stayed mentally well. But I could not get to my Mental Health Awareness Month and or my, my idea around um, like a conference for church. Um, because I had a breakdown that lasted about 60 days. So after the article was released in the paper, I had another uh, episode, um, a depressive episode that triggered me into being suicidal and wanting to give up again. And I actually had to leave. I actually left, moved across the country to restart my life so that I could have a chance again to live and feel free um, and, and be at ease with my mental illness. So to get back to your original question, the one way the church did help me was by allowing me to teach wellness, a wellness workshop in Zumba to make sure that I stay accountable for staying mentally healthy and that members could come and also have some form of accountability to get some like really good serotonin in their bodies and boost their mood and feel good about themselves. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good piece because we do focus a lot on physical health, but what people have to also realize is that your by exercising and having a well-balanced diet that certainly impacts your mental health at the end of the day everything impacts your mental health whether good or bad but when yeah. you work out like you said it releases those you know those feel-good chemicals your endorphins that really help with your mood um it helps you manage yeah. stress and anxiety so there is a science behind working out and its impact on your mental health so one of the things I uh, wanted to really get into with you was how do you manage your mental illness and, and stay balanced, you know, with juggling between being a mom and an entrepreneur and your mental health? I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, so I will be perfectly clear that I'm not taking medication. Um, I manage my symptoms holistically with um, meditation and mindfulness. Um, I've been injured, so I'm now just getting back into movement. Um, but I really have learned to go into what I like to call spiritual solitude um, to where when I feel uh, super depressed or, or triggered, I like to basically journal and then do uh, meditation um, and really kind of therapy. So there's the therapy piece. I go to therapy weekly, and then I do some, some form of solitude in the morning or some form of morning ritual to start my day. Um, and then when life feels really tough, 
I go out and get support from friends and family, but I really like to spend like three to five days in what I call spiritual solitude. It's where I'm not cutting myself off the world, not being depressed, but I'm really sitting with myself, being present and really listening to my own feelings and emotions, writing it down, taking it to my therapist the next week. Those are the tools that I use to keep myself like mentally well in this present moment. Yeah, mindfulness and meditation, that's a really good one. Um, I just started getting into meditation uh, November of last year. I started using the meditation apps and I was like, wow, um, it truly does help. Now, I will not say cure because y'all will not get me for any type of HIPAA laws or anything, right. but, but right. <laughs> y'all not about to take me down. But yes, it certainly does help. Um, I have found that it, you know, deep breathing, there's something that I learned in the hospital called 4812 is a deep breathing exercise that anytime I feel my anxiety coming on, I start to do that. And I feel the anxiety subside because I'm the type of person who holds uh, tension and stress in my upper back and shoulders and neck area. And when I do that, I literally feel the tension, like, and the stress releasing from those air, those muscles. Um, yeah, and so it, absolutely. yeah, it does help and really being mindful because a lot of times anxiety, not all the time, but a lot of times it's connected to us worrying about the things and the future and trying to control things. But when right. you're meditating and you're practicing, practicing mindfulness, you learn how to be present in the moment. You learn how to block out everything else and actually sit with whatever it is. And not necessarily with meditation, your mind doesn't necessarily go blank, but you learn how to let the thoughts pass, like as if you were just sitting on the side of the road and you were watching cars drive by. That's what you do with, you know, with meditation. You just let the thoughts go by opposed to like holding on to them. And that's one of the things that I learned because in life, when things happen to us, we do hold on to a lot. We hold on to trauma or we hold on to the disappointment or the sadness, all those things that we hold on to. And then when we don't deal with it, then we have, we're diagnosed with a mental illness. And so yeah. and there are some cases where mental illness is genetic. Uh, there are some cases where it's, um, we're situational based on something happened in someone's life, like a divorce or a job loss, things like that. Um, but overall, there are definitely coping strategies and tools that you can use uh, for your mental health and meditation and you know mindfulness. Those are definitely excellent tools. But what I also want to reiterate and really understand what what people I want people to understand is that you said therapy. And that is the word that I'm going to keep saying until I'm purple in the face and I'm always going to reiterate it. I talk about therapy probably on almost episode uh, every episode in some form or fashion because I want people to understand that whether you have a mental illness or not, therapy also gives you uh, tools and strategies on how to manage everyday stress. Um, when you don't, people think, oh, I just talked to my friend, but I tell people all the time, Venting to your friend or your spouse and going to therapy, that's not the same. It's not the same because your friends, like they have a, a, a different type of relationship with you. Um, they are a bit biased or family members, they are a bit biased because they love you and they care about you. But your therapist is actually a medical trained professional who's trained to listen and actually see the underlying issues behind your thoughts and your behaviors and really help you to work through that, to work toward healing. So I'm always encouraging people to go to yeah. therapy, whether you have a mental illness or not. So thank you for sharing that. And, and can I just share two other things that also work for, for me and my family? Absolutely. Um, is So there's the therapy and then there's the meditation and mindfulness piece. But then there's also, there's a recent article that came out around nutrition and mental health. So the things that we put in our bodies can actually make us more depressed or more anxious or less depressed and less anxious. And for my body, I am not a licensed medical professional, so you will have to do your own research and talk to your doctor. Um, but I know that when I eat less carbohydrates and more fruits and vegetables, I feel more mental clarity. And there's some research behind that. And that helps me and my family thrive mentally well. 
and number two for my family because my kids two have autism and one has ADHD um, we have a family emotional regulation system that we got from therapy it's called the zones of regulation where we identify our feelings and emotions and basically say how we feel and you can google zones of regulation and learn how to do it with your family at home and basically if I say I'm in my red zone my kids know that I need a break. If my kids say they're in the red zone, that means I'm about to back away. They need a break, right? So there's my therapy, my mindfulness, um, meditation. There's the energy. There's the, um, the family regulation tool we have for emotions. And there's nutrition. And also, all my kids also have therapists. So therapy is a huge component, as you can tell, in our lives. But those other four things help as well. Wow. Y'all... Y'all family out here winning with the therapist. I love that. I love he hearing that. It's, it's so important, you know, that you're not, it's just not something that you are managing, but you're also incorporating it into your children's lifestyle as well, which is very important because for one, it takes not all, but some of the pressure off of you as a mom, because they're also getting the tools and the resources that they need from therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. It does, and it's also, so it's also breaking any type of generational barriers that I've experienced in my family around not asking for help and not going to therapy, right? Because a lot of times it's a learned behavior. So now I've unlearned that, and I'm teaching my family to learn a new way and to have a new way as they move forward in life with or without autism and ADHD. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. What words of encouragement would you give to a mom who's struggling with her mental health and she has a business or she's thinking about starting a business, what would be some advice and some encouragement that you would give her? Yeah. So for a mom who's, you know, wanting to start in business but has some challenges, I would definitely recommend number one, therapy. Make sure you have a therapist because if you think having depression and anxiety is something without trying to start a business, Add a business onto that and motherhood, it gets a little bit more intense. Like you're prone to even more depressive episodes because maybe your business is not going to do as well as you intend in the first time. So my number one tip is to get a therapist, um, have a, a, go to the SBA, take as many of the free classes as you can to start a business. Um, I wouldn't invest thousands of dollars in a business coach. Please don't shoot me business coaches for saying this right off the bat. Because, you know, the SBA has enough resources for you to do that, right? So therapy, the SBA, um, a mindset. Mindset is really important. And I think that's something that a therapist and even a life coach can help you work on is really making sure that you have like a, a, a mindset that even if this doesn't work out, it's going to be okay and that you won't give up so easily. Um, and then make sure you do some sort of family therapy because running, trying to run a business and raise a family can be difficult. So you do want to have some, some sort of family tools around or resources from a family therapist that make sure that your children still feel seen and heard, even though you do are an entrepreneur. And that's something that I've learned from my children in the last year, honestly, is like, oh, mommy, you work so much and we don't have enough time with you. But I've learned that from their therapist. And then so... As a family, the therapists have helped us fine-tune ways that I can still be an entrepreneur, but still make sure that I'm really present and active in the lives of my children. So, like, therapy is a huge one for me. <laughs> and you, I know we have that in common. I was going to ask if you can, um, you said, are you talking about the Small Business Association? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, the Small Business Association. Okay, I just wanted yep. to make sure, because some people who may be listening, they may not know what the S uh, SBA oh, yeah. is. Uh, so, so. Yeah, it's um, it's the SBA, SBA.gov, the Small Business Association, or there's another one called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, that gives tons of free information on how to start a business and what you need to get started. Yeah, those are really great tools for moms, especially new moms um, or single moms uh, mm -hmm. for them, because a lot of times, I'm not a mom, but I've of course, I'm connected to a lot of moms. I'm the oldest of seven uh, children, and I know that moms they're all they're they're very selfless, and they're constantly giving of themselves. And when they become a mom, they sometimes lose themselves um, mm -hmm. in motherhood. While motherhood is, you know, can be a very great experience and should be a very rewarding experience, 
you know, there are many women who lose themselves and they don't follow their dreams and they've got to say, I got to do this for my kids and I got to do this for my husband. Or I got to do this and or for my partner or whoever. And then before you know it, they're burnt out, they're drained, they're depressed because mm-hmm. they haven't taken the time to work on themselves. Yep. Yep. That happens all the time. So if I could add a couple more resources to my, my toolbox, I would definitely say um, have some sort of goal, but some self-care goals, right? Like, if I'm going to run this business and take care of my kids, how am I going to take care of myself? That's a real good that's, one. That's, that's a huge one. And not just a self-care goal, but since you are starting a business, have a business goal because you want to know what you're trying to do and where you're trying to get to as well. So goals are also part of that process as a mom and an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're, you're sharing a lot of great tips for moms. And I'll be sure to like SCORE and um, the SBA, all that. I'll just leave those that information in the um, show notes so they can refer back to it. And um, what led you to birth Brown Sisters Speak? And can you also talk about your monthly meetups? Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I'm a student at Holy Nation University here in Oakland, California. And my teacher was like, create a project. And it has to be a social enterprise. And this was about two years ago. And I was like, okay. And it clicked to me. Oh, that thing I said in the mental health institution. I'm going to start a thing, right, for people of color. Talk about their mental health. Um, my uncle was a part of an organization. I think it's called Black Man Speak. And he was like, oh, this will be great for your project, Maya. You should just frame it for, for women um, of color. And just say Brown Woman Speak since it's just a project for school. And I was like, okay. So I created this super cool project at the end, gave a great presentation. My uh, professor was like, all right, cool. Uh, how would you like to earn some college credit? And I was like, for what? <laughs> and he said, take the idea in the community. And I was like, can I do it online? Is online considered a community? He was like, yes, yeah, start there. So over the summer um, or in the December of 2015, I believe, what was it, 2016? I'm getting my years mixed up. doesn't matter. Um, I created this website called Brown Sister Speak. Um, I started a Facebook group and I would start interviewing people online about like, you know, their experiences like as a therapist or their experiences as a mental health advocate. And I would upload them to YouTube and then I started this Facebook group. And I'm like, okay, cool, it's working. So I would go to my professor and I'd be like, okay, it's working. He's like, okay, now up level, what are you going to do next? You're online. It's great. It looks good. What are you going to do next? Well, one of my uh, best friends, one of my sisters owns a, um, organization called Resilient Wellness, um, and we're a trauma-based, not just, we do a lot of work in trauma-informed care in the community, in the Bay Area, and she's the founder of it, and so she had this thing, she said, you know, what are you going to do in the space for Brown Sisters Speak? What are you going to do about the internet? And I was like, I don't know. So about six months ago, it came to me, oh, I could do brunches, and that's, and then she said, okay, well, I'll donate the space as a venue, and that's how it unfolded. It all started with, let's go back to the mental health institution, a school project, and now at the online world and then having that space to really have these events in the community. And so um, our monthly brunches are for women of color where we come and we bring a speaker. They, they get to heal and they get to chill all amongst each other while getting some really deep knowledge that helps them, like, one, feel empowered, but two, can really help them thrive mentally well throughout their week. Yeah, that's awesome to be able to have that because – it all goes back to community because a lot of times when you are dealing with a mental illness or struggling with your mental health, you often isolate because you feel like no one understands me or I'm going to be judged. I don't want to be viewed as crazy. We have all these things in our head. We have our own stigmas based on societal stigmas that have been placed and it it only cripples us. And it does not allow us to thrive and to live the best life that we can absolutely live. And so Brown Sisters Speak is a great platform that is giving women the opportunity, women of color, the opportunity to do that. Um, And I also would ask if anyone would just like to connect with you and learn more about Brown Sisters Speak or any other projects that you may have working on, how can they find you? Can you share your website and your social media handles? Sure. The best way to find out about me and all my amazing projects is www.myusipc.com. Um, and I'm all over social media at um, the app symbol, I am Myusipc. 
Yes, and I'll be sure to leave the website, your websites, and your social media handles in the show notes so people can have it to refer back to it. And thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. So for this therapist shout out, actually, I'm going to shout out the center before we talk about the founder. Um, It's Sisterhood Wellness and Family Counseling, and it was founded to assist women and families at every stage of life with the best possible care for mental wellness. Um, They actually focus on a few, uh, quite a a bit as it pertains to mental health uh, treatment. So they work uh, with couples, uh, they do sex and intimacy. They talk about, they work through, help women work through domestic violence, grief and loss, sexuality, um, spirituality and identity. Uh, they do career counseling, body image, um, sexual abuse, relationships, and family conflict. So they actually offer quite a bit. They are based here. Let me see. I'm actually looking on their website now. I know they're based in Illinois, but I'm trying to see where actually in Illinois they're based. Um, give me one second, y'all, as I look this up. So they are based in Plainfield, uh, Illinois, and I'll be sure to leave the information in the show notes so y'all can check it out. And the founder of Sisterhood Wellness and Family Counseling Center is Samantha. I'm not going to even mess up Samantha's last name um, because I respect my sister so much. I'm just not going to even try, y'all. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to mess up my sister's name like that. But she is the founder and the psychotherapist. So please check her out. She has a beautiful um, website. And so, again, the name of her counseling center is Sisterhood Wellness and Family Counseling. And they're based in Plainfield, Illinois. So if there's anyone who's listening to the podcast and you're looking for a therapist and you're in that area, Please feel free to check her out. And y'all make sure y'all let her know that Kia of the Fireflies Unite podcast sent you over. All right, y'all. So for this week's wellness segment, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm actually going to use my well this wellness segment as a venting moment. All right, y'all. So y'all probably gonna laugh when y'all listen to this, but you know, I was on Twitter and Instagram and I talked about how the two words I'm busy are very triggering for me. And so here's the thing, y'all. For me, like say if you tell someone like, or you having a conversation with someone And you're trying to like make plans with them and they're just like, oh, I'm just so busy. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just in my head. It's probably just in my head. But actually, no, y'all, it's not because I tweeted this and people actually agreed with me. So I'm not the only one. I take that back. So the thing is, when you're in conversation with someone and someone says like, oh, I'm so busy, it's it's actually a bit insensitive because it can be internalized to the other person as they're not busy too. Um, Even though some people may be more busy than the next person, but I mean, at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter. We all have a lot going on. I have college students who listen to the podcast and they are very busy. I have mothers who listen to the podcast. Oh, and they're definitely very busy. So We all are in different spaces and stages in our life. And so um, when someone says that to me, sometimes it's like, it's like a cop out, like, oh, I'm just so busy. I can't, I can't do it. I don't have the time. At the end of the day, we all make for time. We all make time for the things that are most important to us. And where you spend most of your time is what you value. So for me, I'm going to use myself as an example. I spend a lot of time working on the podcast, a lot. I'm editing, I'm recording, I'm 
preparing for interviews. I'm scheduling interviews. I'm promoting the podcast. You know, I've been speaking a lot lately. Like, yes, I am very busy. And my schedule is not as flexible as it used to be. So, like, one of my favorite things to do is to hang out with two of my little baby cousins. They're one and two years old. And I can't spend as much time with them as I would like because my schedule is ramping up. But I do make it a priority to see them. You know, I told myself that I will do my absolute best to see them at least twice a month. Where before I could, I was over there almost every day or I was over there almost once a week. But now my schedule just doesn't allow that. So yes, while I am busy, just like any other person, but I still do make it a priority because those are my babies and I love them. And so I could easily use an excuse like, oh, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to see them. Well, yeah, you may not be able to do something as often as you used to or as often as you would like. But if it's important to you, you make time for it, you know, and they're important to me. So I make time for it. Another thing is, you know, I used, I talk to my mom a lot. I talk to my mom like 50,000 times a day. And sometimes I can't talk to her like as frequent, I guess, or as on demand, I guess I should say, because like when I call her, I expect her to pick up immediately. She called me, she expect me to pick up immediately. So that's like our little thing. But like sometimes I'll be like, Ma, I can't talk right now because I'm about to do an interview for the podcast or I'm preparing, um, you know, my talk so I can speak at this event or I'm praying and I'm meditating right now. So like I'm doing my best to get myself on like a routine because that just works best for me. And so that's why, you know, when people say those words to me, it just, y'all, it's in my blood pressure to the moon. And I needed to take this wellness segment, y'all, and just have a slight moment where I just get it out and put it out there because the podcast, again, y'all know it's not about me. I'm always talking about um, other Uh, giving other people the opportunity to talk about their story and live in their truth. But for this episode, I was like, you know what? I just had to get that out there because, you know, sometimes people will say that. And I'm like, y'all, okay. Y'all think the next person not busy? Y'all think I'm not busy? Like, and sometimes people use it as as like a cop out. So there are like some young ladies that I mentor, you know, um, who have mental illness and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm just so busy. Now, when they say it to me, it doesn't necessarily trigger because uh, it's not necessarily triggering to me because they're saying it for themselves. Um, they're not like using it to say like they can't hang out with me because they're so busy or whatever. Um, but, you know, I had to tell them like, you know, your mental health has to be a priority. Like it has to be especially when you're diagnosed with a mental illness, because like, if you aren't aware of your triggers, if you aren't being treated, if you don't know, if you don't have the right coping strategies in place, you can put yourself at risk for a breakdown and go into the hospital. And if that's not what we want to happen, then we have to make our mental health a priority. So yes, we work a lot. Yes, we have to go to school. Yes, we have to be moms. Yes, we have to be dads. Yes, we may be involved in, um, you know, involved in extracurricular activities if we're a student or we have, we're people. We have 5,000 things going on at one time and that's just a part of life. But saying I'm busy, I mean, it just, y'all, it just kind of drives me a bit insane And so when I tweeted this, like people was retweeting it like wildfire. Every time my notifications was going off, it was like retweet, retweet, or someone was was responding. And um, and then a therapist actually um, responded to the tweet, and she said, "It's that those words are triggering more triggering than we may think, and it's deeper than what we may think." So a lot of times people feel like they have to be busy because you know. We in this thing, we see a hashtag booked and busy before a couple years ago, it was like hashtag grinding, hashtag, you know, like sleep when you're dead or whatever, hashtag hustling. It was just all these things. And while a person can be busy, like, but you got to be, you can be busy, but you got to take care of your mental health. Like you cannot be out here 
doing 5,000 things and not, you know, having a well-balanced diet. I'm saying that to myself, y'all, because I need to check myself. Um, Or working out like you should be. Again, I'm saying that to myself too, y'all. Look, I ain't perfect. I struggle too. And we have to, like, we really have to. Like, I don't just say things um, or suggest things or recommend things to you guys because I'm perfect and I got it all together. Because trust and believe, y'all, I do not. Um, but I am doing much better, much better. I'm very proud of myself. And so I think it's, it, it can be triggering going back to what the therapist was saying. Shout out to Janae. Um, she's an awesome, awesome teen therapist and she's based in Philly. And she was, a um, uh, we gave her a shout out, um, some episodes ago, but she was like, it's more triggering than we think because sometimes we feel the pressure to need for the need to always be busy and doing something. And we feel like if we're not being busy then something is wrong and I remember feeling like that like after I stopped working and I remember like texting my friend actually Liz and I was like I just feel like I should be doing something like I feel like I shouldn't be sitting on the couch watching tv like why is it that when I just left a job that drained the crap out of me where I was sometimes working 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week I was working like crazy that I should have been like, dang, I need time to relax and rejuvenate and read a book and like just catch up on shows that I haven't been able to watch and just really relax. But I felt bad because I was like, I should be doing something like I should be writing. I should be I should be working. But you don't have to be moving every single second of the day. And now, y'all, I'm so mindful. Like when I say I'm so intentional, for one, my body doesn't even allow me to go as far as I used to go. Like before I I would be on a go. I'll be like the energizer bunny, busy, busy, busy. But as you know, for anyone who's listened to the episode, me being busy was a way for me to cope or that was very, a very unhealthy coping strategy. So if you have things that you don't want to deal with and you're not addressing and you're being busy, um, it's okay if you need an escape to take your mind off it for a bit, but you still have to address it. And for me, I never address things. So I was doing a thousand things because then I wouldn't have time to deal. And so it's okay to take time to take, uh, as my father used to say, a chill pill. And so we have to be mindful about feel of feeling, I guess, the anxiety of, or the pressure, I'm sorry, not anxiety, the pressure of always feeling the need to do something all the time, like every second of the day. Like I read, like reading is one of my favorite coping strategies. I love to read. Give me my Kindle. I cuddle up in the bed by myself and I read that Kindle. Like I just love it. It's a great escape for me. And so I'm, I'm very mindful or, you know, sometimes I have to say no, like I have to set boundaries. I can't do all of that. And so but I'm not going to keep rambling on and on about that. But basically, yes, if somebody tell me like I'm busy, y'all, I probably won't talk to them for like two days. Um, And that's probably something I should probably talk to Dr. Tucker about. <laughs> Shout out to my therapist. But I, I just do, y'all. It don't, those words always got to me because I guess because I was in a space in my life where I was always doing a thousand things. And now I'm like, hold up. Did I eat? Uh, Did I use the bathroom? Did I take a shower? Did I take a nap? Like, just being really mindful about that. And so, because of actually being triggered um, and about by this, and just talking to people about it on Twitter and Instagram, who actually agreed and said that's a word when I was venting, it led to... (laughs) Janae and I were actually going to do a Facebook Live on it. So, actually, we're going to do a Facebook Live this Thursday, which is April. Y'all, let me make sure I got the date right because, look, I I can't remember stuff. So, yeah, so the Facebook Live will be this Thursday, April 19th at 7 o'clock. And that's Eastern Standard Time because I know I have people who are on the West Coast who listen. So that's 4 p.m. your time. 
and for people who are in the Midwest, that is six o'clock your time. So yes, Janae and I will be doing a Facebook Live entitled Booked and Busy, and I will also uh, do my best to edit for Instagram Live too, because I know some people that are on Instagram that aren't on Facebook, so we're going to work and try to uh, set that up so we can be on both platforms. And so yes, the topic is Booked and Busy, the impact of busy on mental health, and I thought that it was very fitting to actually do this Facebook Live because I was going to make it a podcast episode, but then I was like, you know what? No, let's do a Facebook Live because um, my goal is to go live at least once a month. Um, uh, I, what, if someone suggested to me to at least do it once a week, I cannot do that. That's way too much pressure for your girl. But yes, at least once a month to do it. And so I hope that you all will join Janae and I. Um on our live so we can talk to talk about it and so y'all that's all I have for this week wellness segment it wasn't that deep I just need to get it off my chest I need to let y'all know I am human and I got emotions and I have things too that I'm often working through so thank y'all for being a sounding board and uh, listening to me as I got that off my chest Whew, I sound so much but I, I just feel so much better all right you guys so before I wrap up this episode. I really um, pray that you got something from listening to Maisha T's story. Um, Her story is truly amazing. And it just, again, always shows that you can thrive despite having a mental illness. And I really hope that that's what you guys get from listening to the podcast through these amazing story and through these amazing stories of people being courageous and living in their truth. Um, And for those who don't know, um about we're reading Jennifer Lewis's book so I mentioned it some episodes ago but for those who are active um in the Fireflies Unite Healthy Minds uh, Facebook group then you know that we're reading Jennifer Lewis's book and I'll select two people to join me on the podcast so I'm reading it of course y'all know on my Kindle Kindle is bae let me tell y'all I love that Kindle um so I'm reading the book and her book the mother of black hollywood and i just want to know about your thoughts you know how is it going um i'll actually post it in the facebook group just to see what some of your thoughts are on the book i am about i would say i love reading on my kindle because it shows me the percentage of the book that i'm through which is great because i have like this this internal mind game that i play with myself like I like seeing the percentage go up on the book so it encourages me to like read uh, a bit faster I don't know it's just like a thing that I like to do it myself but anyway according to my Kindle I'm about 62% done with the book um, I don't need you know everyone's reading at their own pace some people are doing audio so don't feel the need to hurry up and read the book because your girl is um, 62% uh, complete with the book that's just because I love reading um but if you're doing audible that's cool too do whatever works for you um and let me know I really want to know what you guys think so I I guess my thoughts on the book I'm I'm enjoying the book honestly um it it's eye-opening as it pertains to someone being having an addiction to sex and it shows how her unhealthy um, coping skill with her addiction to sex was tied into her being bipolar um, or being having to her being uh, having bipolar disorder. Sorry, to her having bipolar disorder, because I don't want to say a person is bipolar like, you know, like it's not an adjective, it's an illness. See, I got to correct myself sometimes, but yes. So it showed the correlation and how that was her way of dealing with it. But at the time, she was not, um, she wasn't diagnosed. And she talked about her being in denial. And she was very open about the the many men that she slept with. Um, it was a bit intriguing for me um, to be like, ooh, she was getting it in. But, you know no judgment you know um at all I thought her being very transparent 
um, it again, it humanizes her just like Mariah Carey, you know, and I don't want to get too much into it because we'll have the discussion on the podcast um, next month for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, which is May. So two amazing people will join me on the podcast and I'm super excited um, about that. So yeah, let me know your thoughts on how the book is going for you. Um, also, I wanted to mention that I have an event on Wednesday and with No More Martyrs and they're an amazing, amazing nonprofit. I mentioned them last week, but I just wanted to remind you that tickets are available for their Sisters Speak um, Black Women and Suicide. It is a panel and I will be on the panel with so many amazing women. I'm super excited, y'all. Like when I say I'm so excited... I'm so excited. I'm hoping that I can um, bring, um, you know, that I can bring some guests with me to the event who are uh, local. But yeah, it's amazing. So Dr. Nadia Richardson, she's the founder of No More Martyrs. And there will also be Jessica uh, Gaddy, who's the founder of Nia Noir. And there's also Linda Blount, who um, is of, she's from the Black Women's Health um imperative and then we have darren young who's the founder i believe of black therapist rock and then we have also licensed psychotherapist lenata williams so and myself so i'm super excited it's going to be at bus boys and poets in tacoma park um in washington dc so tickets i believe the tickets are ten dollars i think um and so feel free to come out and and enjoying the conversation about black women and suicide so i'll be sure to leave that link in the show notes to the uh event right so you can get your tickets i look forward to meeting um some of you and yeah and as always y'all know what i'm sending y'all i'm sending y'all positive vibes because that's how i roll i'm sending y'all blessings i pray that you all are prospering and that you are doing well in your mental health and and that even if you're going through a difficult time that this podcast is encouraging you to get treatment to go to therapy um you guys if there are any topics that you want me to discuss um we did have a listener who reached out to me and talked about um and gave a suggestion as to what she wanted um a podcast episode on and so I did that for her and so we'll be um having that episode uh come you know we'll be doing that episode soon um if they're you know shout your therapist out y'all i really need y'all to shout your therapist out um again if there's something that you want me to address there's also a listener in addition to the episode she had a question that she wanted to address and i did that episode just for her so y'all just i'm always open like to if there's any topics or anything that you want me to cover, like I said, this podcast is not about me. I do my best to, you know, the world is bigger than Takia. The world doesn't revolve around Takia. So therefore, I want to make sure that this is a space for you. This is a space for the listeners. You know, I desire to see the community to continue to grow and that, you know, God continues to give me the strength and the, the willpower and the drive to just continue to do this podcast and I'm just so blessed and fortunate to be able to have created a platform for people to share their stories as it pertains to mental illness and communities of color so thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next week have a blessed week you guys I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health, but please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.